It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in. My name is Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Glad to be with you here today. And it's Monday. It is Monday, and we're recording a Monday check-in on Monday. This yeah. We did not do that last week. Yeah, we're recording it on Monday. I don't know if it'll get to anybody but by Monday, but maybe it will. I don't know. We'll see. How long can you talk about Habakkuk, Greg? Uh, as long as there are B's and K's in that word. <laughs> yeah. So proliferation of B's and K's in the, the name Habakkuk. Um, it always makes me think of there was a hockey player named Keith Kachuk. Whose last name had like four K's in it or something. Yeah. It always makes me, it always makes me think of Keith Kachuk. I think played for the Avalanche for a while. Oh, maybe somebody else. He might have a kid now that plays in the National Hockey League. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but not for our purposes. Um, this is because this is because our purposes are different. And here's our purposes. Uh, our purposes are to take a look at the scripture for the upcoming Sunday and have a little chat about them. You know, say, well, here's some of the themes that we think that we see in these, or here's some questions maybe that the text has for us or that we have for the text. Talk about that for a little bit, and then we switch gears and we talk about the life of the church. So, and we usually start with prayer, and I think it's probably my turn to start prayer, because I don't think I prayed at all on last week's Monday check-in. So, uh, let's pray. Loving and gracious God, as we gather together to begin to study your word for this week, may your Holy Spirit fall among us. May our eyes and our hearts and our ears all be opened to your holy word. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, this Sunday we have uh, we're starting a new sermon series. Um, maybe. Greg's no, not sure. We are. I just don't know what direction I'm going with these two verses. Because when I set this up in early August, I was kind of focused on the Habakkuk passage. And um, turns out the sermon that I want to preach on that, I kind of preached a couple weeks ago. That's kind of what I thought when I took and a look I at this. I don't know if I really want to hit people with the same thing <laughs> twice. <laughs> I mean, it was a different passage, but the, the the general message is not that different. And so, um, and so, and then I reread the Second Timothy passage, which we'll read today, and I got thinking a lot about that passage. And so, I'm still trying to figure out in my head what direction this is all going. Um, we'll talk about both directions and then maybe you can write in and let us know which one you think it should be. Uh, this is, this is, this is your chance. This is the choose your own adventure. Uh, if you reach hear this Monday check-in and you reach out to yeah. us and you say, Greg, I think hearing about prayer again, even though we just heard about it three weeks ago or two, I think it was just two weeks ago, two weeks, 
Yeah. It, it was on, I was preaching on the first Timothy passage, but this Habakkuk passage leads me to the same general theme as what I was preaching on two weeks ago on the Timothy passage. Um, so maybe we'll go that direction again and I'll just repeat myself and <laughs> maybe we'll do something different or maybe I'll blend the two. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It's all a mystery. Well, it is, the, it is a communion Sunday. It is. So, I mean, you, which sometimes calls for like a slightly condensed sermon. Uh, okay, so Damon is inviting me to preach short <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> I think the unabridged, you could give an abridged version. And we'll be sitting outside in the sun. And so keeping it shorter is probably not a bad idea. Just, you know, whatever. Uh, so we have a couple of scripture passages, one from uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Keith Kachuk, um, uh, prophet in the Old Testament, and then one from Second Timothy, written by uh, my favorite and yours, the Apostle Paul. Maybe. To his buddy, Timothy. Do people, are people pretty sure that that's, a, that's an authentic Pauline? They're pretty sure it's not, I think. Okay. Well, um, we could talk about that too when we get there, maybe. Well, we could. We got a lot of positive feedback on our nerdy Bible talk about the missing verse from the, was it the Mark or the Luke passage? I think it was Mark. Um, I think it's Matthew, actually. Was it? I think it was Mark. Yeah. Mark. Mm. I can look. Uh, Hang on. I don't know. You preached that day, not, not me. It was Mark. Was it Mark? It was, yeah, Mark 11. It was just two weeks ago. 26. Yeah, the missing 26. It ends at 25. Um, anyways, so maybe we'll go that direction with this Monday check-in and I'll still not know where I'm going with my sermon. I guess we'll see. So here at any rate is the reading from Habakkuk, Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Uh, it reads something like this. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk, Habakkuk, saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen, or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack, and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. And then to chapter two, I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Um, that's some of the words of the prophet. And then from 2 Timothy, uh, this is chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It begins in kind of in Paul's relatively typical style. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, 
my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Uh, that's how that one ends as well. It just uh, reminded me of one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control, which I was like, wow, what a, what, a, what a super fun gift of the spirit to have self-control. <laughs> At any rate, uh, Greg, what do you got? Uh, well, just a quick answer to the question that uh, the authorship of Second Timothy is debated among scholars. Uh, so what I found is although the pastorals are written under Paul's name, they are different from his other epistles. And since the early 19th century, scholars have increasingly seen them as the work of an unknown student of Paul's doctrine because they do not address Paul's common themes, such as believers' unity with Christ, and they reflect a church hierarchy that's much more organized and defined than the church was in Paul times. Nonetheless, some major scholars have defended the traditional authorship of 2 Timothy. So uh, we trust it's God's holy inspired word. We trust that it is part of the canon of our holy scripture as Christians. Uh, who wrote it uh, is up for debate. But this was common at the time that um, you, you might become. Uh, so John, uh, folks might know the John the baptizer right? Uh, John would have had his own disciples, uh, folks who had learned from John. Here's the things that John thinks are important about the faith. Here's the, here's the thing that Paul is running around and teaching about what's important about the faith. And um, he would kind of become their pupils <clears throat> to some extent and learn the learn the philosophy, learn the system of thinking, and then and then you would kind of start to apply that um, to the world around you and, um, and then write in that person's name. Uh, so it was very common practice um, at the time, not really at all unusual. But then kind of, you know, well, somebody's got to keep, keep this going. So <laughs> let's all write letters like with Paul. Yeah. So what do I got? Um, so the initial plan uh, was to focus primarily on the Habakkuk passage, which I like because it starts out with a call to God, a lament for help, right? The oracle the prophet Habakkuk saw, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen or cry violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So you have this lament, and then you move to chapter two, and then Habakkuk is, is moved 
to action. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he, the Lord, will say to me and what he will answer me concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me. And he said, get to work, Habakkuk. <laughs> right? So it's, it's, it's that old phrase of like, I cried to God and said, why don't you feed the hungry? And God said back to me, Greg, why don't you feed the hungry? Mm -hmm. Right? So Habakkuk mm -hmm. is crying out, God, why am I seeing all this injustice and wrongdoing in the world? And God responds, Habakkuk, get to work. You got to work on this stuff, right? The Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so a runner can read it. For there's a vision for the appointed time. It speaks at the end. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. Do not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. So it's this shift that prayer is an important thing, but prayer will eventually change us to become co-workers or co-missioners with God um, in the work that we're called to do. So that was what I was thinking I was going to preach on back when I was thinking about this in August. But um, yeah. then I ended up preaching a very similar sermon two weeks ago. So I'm not sure if people want to hear the same thing over yeah you used it up you used up yeah you know because you brought that avocado back from the grocery store and it was too tempting to not to not make guacamole with you um you used a quote from um from mother Teresa. i did that i thought was really really nice and really sums up that sentiment um in a really nice way, um, that sort of sense of, uh, she writes something to the effect I'd be, I essentially, I used to ask God to change things. And now I sort of, now I ask God to change me, um, instead. And, um, yeah, which, which also rem, kind of reminds me of this sort of, um, I think some, I don't think the church always does a great job of helping people, um, shift their faith from kind of an elementary understanding to an adult, to a, a mature, from an immature to a mature way of way of thinking about the faith, right? And and I think that sort of sense of prayer as asking God for things uh, is a way that we really kind of first understand prayer. Um, and then I guess we still ask God for things, but what we ask for changes, hopefully, over time. Um, you know, uh, grant me the courage that I need to have this difficult conversation um, instead of just change this person's mind. <laughs> um, or grant me the wisdom to see this from this other person's point of view, um, sort of thing. Um, and, so, but, and I to me, that feels as though it represents a, a certain kind of a maturing in faith. And so I don't think that reminding people of that would be bad or reminding ourselves of it. I don't think, I don't think would be bad. So, okay. Well, I, I could do that. I don't know. What's the, I guess, do you know, what's the background of Habakkuk? The intervening parts here are between where we leave off in chapter one and where we pick up in chapter two is um, God is going to 
as God's raising up some conquerors to, right. to come through um, and punish the people for their waywardness, I suppose. Right, which is pretty typical with the minor prophets, and Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. Um, and so, yeah, loosely, it's just Habakkuk goes into a place, sees a lot of wrongdoing, starts out crying out to God, how could you let all this stuff happen? And invites God to sort of bring God's wrath onto the people for their wrongdoing, um, similar to Amos or Micah or any one of the minor prophets that we read, um, even Jeremiah that we focused on this last Sunday. So, yeah, mm -hmm. who's not a minor prophet is a major prophet. Who gets to draw these distinctions? Major minor prophets? Yeah. Uh, it would be me. I, I determine exactly. who is a major prophet and who is a minor. No, I think it's actually based largely on the length of the book, isn't it? The I, short I, books I, are the minor prophets and the long books are the major prophets. I don't know. Okay. I mean, that seems, if that's true, that seems kind of foolish to me. <laughs> but at any rate. So anyhow, oh, the, the, the term minor prophets goes back apparently to St. Augustine, who distinguished the 12 shorter prophetic books as the minor prophets from the four longer books of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. I was right. I probably learned that at some point in my Old Testament class, but now I'm taking credit for coming up with that brilliant nugget of wisdom and then having it affirmed by searching on the internet. <laughs> yeah. It just seems relatively arbitrary to me. Yeah, right. Right. Well, particularly the guy who is more succinct with his words, he would certainly want to claim that, that is arbitrary <laughs> because he would suggest that somebody can write something shorter and it can still be just as important or major. Um, whereas the more verbose of, of, of the two people on this podcast would, would argue that, yeah, the, 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 the more long-winded prophets do have more to say because you need more words to say those things, right? That seems natural. <laughs> so. Okay, so that's one of the possible directions. That's one possible direction. And if that is your vote, uh, you write us, let us know, and uh, that you may get your wish. Um, <laughs> the other possible direction is this passage from 2 Timothy uh, 1 through 7. And um, I just love that Paul is referring to Timothy's legacy of faith. It's just beautiful. Uh, Paul does it too about himself too, right? To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace. I'm grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. So Paul is linking it back to his spiritual ancestors. When I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you that may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. It's just touching. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful way for Paul to connect with Timothy and to get Timothy to connect with his own past. The fact that he's calling out his grandmother and his mother as the forebearers of his faith um, in what is generally a more patriarchal society is also a beautiful detail. And so it would be fun to kind of expound on that and talk a little bit about that and the forebearers of our faith and 
the women who have come before us that have helped build the faith and the fact that, uh, and Damon knows this better than any one of us right now, that the PW actually run the church. Uh, <laughs> run the church. <laughs> Keep the church running. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In some extent you know, to some extent. Yeah. So active, active members in the life of the church, certainly. Right. Uh, And it's interesting that he's, if that's what he's doing, right. He's, he's encouraging Timothy in some sense to like draw on this sort of reserve, um, you know, to, to strengthen his own resolve, draw on this history in order to strengthen his own resolve, it seems, to, to do something that's going to require some sort of uh, courageous faith, right? Uh, because we get this, you know, in verse 7, uh, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. That um, This kind of is, you know, so great a cloud of witnesses um, and that sort of a thing. Well, and even the verse right before that, right? So he lists his a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you for this reason, for that faith which you inherited from your grandmother and your mother. I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in within you. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, if your resources are depleted, how do you rekindle? How do you restoke that fire? And, and you go back to the faith that has been handed down to you from the generations before you. Um, there's a quote that I love. Uh, Gustav Mahler, who I believe was a composer. And Mahler said that uh, tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the tending of the flame. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so tradition in its best is not us just doing things the way we've always done them, but instead of to use this language, we're rekindling a flame. We maintain this tradition. We we maintain this link to our spiritual heritage because it is the flame uh, which kindles in our own souls. And when we need to rekindle that, we can return to that source of, of it. I don't know. That's good stuff. Yeah. No, I think, Greg, that you're stuck here because this uh, sounds like an All Saints Day sermon. Ah, yes, yes, which I will be preaching in another month. And so do I want to repeat myself again? So this is this is the one of the secrets that pastors have is that most pastors really only have four or five sermons. We just change out the scriptures and the sermon illustrations, but the underlying message, there's, there's really only four or five things that Damon and I are going to preach about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, how many, how many messages would you say that the, that the Christian faith has? Right. Yeah. It, and that's, you know, I mean, I mean, right. I mean, the, obviously yeah. the underlying message is right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then there are these practices that Damon and I like to come back to, to live out the greatest commandment. Yeah. And so I tend to come back to prayer, like that Mother Teresa quote that I read. I probably read at least once a year in this church uh, because I find it very meaningful. And I find returning to that quote and that idea that prayer changes us and we change things in the world 
as a core tenet of our faith and the change we are in the world is that loving God and loving neighbor, right? Um, so I tend to come back to that. Damon has a couple themes that he tends to come back to too, which ultimately are proclamation of the grace and love of Jesus Christ and how we do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now this is this, we call this Second Timothy. Do we have any actual idea if this was written before or after what we call First Timothy? Um, I think there are references in First and Second Timothy to particular events that would have had a chronological order. So in that sense, First Timothy comes before Second Timothy because these are referring to specific events. Because Paul has sent Timothy as a missionary to the new church community in Ephesus. Um, and the first letter goes with him to accompany him. And the second letter is written once he's there and to give him further instruction on how to help the church in Ephesus. So um, in that sense, yeah. there, there is a chronological order to them that makes sense that one would be written before the other. Yeah. And that's what this laying on of hands is about um, in verse six, right? That um, That's what Paul is, is referencing here. You we did this link, which we do sometimes at uh, confirmation. Maybe uh, we did it when we hand out Bibles. Uh, sometimes um, we do it when we um, commission somebody to go on a service trip or or do something along those lines. That sort of laying on of hands, sort of a thing. So, yeah, and then then there would be a you know, other, possibly other letters that we, that didn't get, make it into the scrapbook, right? Uh, You know, and and letters back from Timothy to Paul and yeah, and that sort of thing, so. And then Titus is also one of these, what are called pastorals. Uh, First, second Timothy and Titus are the the three pastoral epistles. Um, Yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. Philemon is just a piece of personal correspondence. It's not even a doesn't even qualify almost as a, as like a pastoral epistle. It's just like, hey, Philemon, here's what you got to do with Onesimus. Come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, figure it out, buddy. Come, huh? interesting. Uh, so you think that this will preach? I think either of these two messages will preach, but now you have me worried about repeating myself on All Saints Day. So. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> well, I mean, we could probably, yeah, it's, I mean, another, not necessarily direction, but right. Like, what's the, what's the call to action that, what is it that Paul actually wants Timothy to do? Right. Timothy, it seems that Timothy has maybe written back, and said, ah, here's what, you know, here's kind of what's going on in Ephesus. And I'm not sure if I really want to do this, you know, if we want to, if I really want to have this conversation or try this thing or whatever the case might be. Um, you know, like another interesting thing that this passage might be asking us to consider is like, what is, is there anything that God is asking you to strengthen your resolve for? Right. Um, 
like when we, because I preached on Philemon Philemon a few weeks ago. And what's interesting about that, I, one of the things that's interesting about it is that we don't know how Philemon responds to Paul's encouragement. Um, and we, I'm going to guess we don't really know how Timothy responds to Paul's encouragement either. And so it leaves this kind of open question for us of, are we, you know, are we going to, is there a thing that we're, is there some sort of challenge that we're being asked to take on? And if so, what, and where are we going to find the strength and the resolve to do it? Yeah. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Yeah. And the linking of power and love is, I think, important. Right. A very different kind of power, right? Yeah. (laughs) We're not talking about the power of the Roman Empire or power over someone, Mm -hmm. uh, but power to do good and power to love, right? Yeah. Yep. Self-disciplined power is a different kind of <laughs> power. So, yeah, seems like it'll preach. I think it'll preach. I just don't yeah. know what direction it's going to preach at this point. I so here I'll well flip through the hymn book, find a couple of hymns, and then that that'll help you figure out a direction for the sermon. I'll put this out to you. I'll ask you, Damon, and and our our loyal listeners here of um, so. What I'm thinking is is like a four or five week series on spiritual practices, um, and how those spiritual practices can can lead us to uh, uh, to stewardship and and to faith. And so initially, the spiritual practice that I was going to look at was prayer, like intercessory prayer and that sort of thing. Um, what spiritual practice? either traditional or non-traditional, do we see in the second Timothy passage? And I was thinking sort of the, not the honoring of our ancestors, but the recognizing of our I don't know, of our faith legacy of our mm-hmm. um, and is that a spiritual practice that I can elaborate on enough that I can make a sermon out of it or do I just go back to prayer because prayer is pretty standard spiritual practice. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, and it could be done in a prayerful way. Right? It sort of makes me think about um, what are those called? Um, time capsules. Huh. Right. Or like, so, like some sort of process of like, of going back through the annals of history and saying, uh, here's an interesting time in, in the life of, our co- of a congregation of, of, of people. And, and here's how people of faith responded to that challenge or to that ambiguity or whatever the case might be. Um, and so in some ways, just kind of learning or reminding ourselves of those stories that might help to strengthen our own resolve to live through our own ambiguities. Certainly there's no lack of ambiguities um, in the world, but I don't know. Which could be done kind of as a spiritual practice. It's like memory as a spiritual practice. Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah. Or like, 
Yeah. Communal memory. That's the, or like the, the history of a, because I think Paul is saying like, you are part of a history of a people. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And so, like, sometimes we kind of reference, like, when we talk about, um, like, live stream of service or, like, the radio broadcast of a service and the television broadcast of a service, and sometimes we talk about the foresight that folks had to invest in those things 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whenever they were doing that. I think that's part of a a people's history and and then so okay so what which might make a person think okay then what should we be investing in now that'll pay off 20 years into the future uh, i gotta talk to kylie she'll figure it out <laughs> i yeah she's busy running uh back out of the bakery <laughs> I, I tried to recruit her to help me with the sermon series, not just this particular sermon, but the series on spiritual practices, because that's one of Kylie's greatest strengths, and uh, she's busy. Um, but I like where that's going, Damon, uh, particularly because we're going to be over on Hastings College campus, and so we can also talk about, you know, and they're celebrating their 140th anniversary, and it's all over the campus. Talk about how this was, you know, our spiritual ancestors determined the importance of a college in this place uh, a place of higher learning and um as rich said on sunday of uh, educating mind body and spirit uh and so there's that spiritual ancestry that we're benefiting from today which will benefit sitting on the college campus um and yeah i just got to come up with a snappy way of talking about that as a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice you can do it. You can help. <laughs> um, and there's a very slim chance that Damon will be preaching the sermon anyway. So we'll just. That's uh... <laughs> true. Oh, I should have been paying more attention then. <laughs> uh, switch gears? Yeah, let's switch gears. All right. Um, what's going on? In the life of First Pres Hastings. Well, I've referenced this a couple times, but uh, Sunday worship, we're going to do our um, our contemplative worship here in the chapel at 8.30, and then we'll have our Sunday school hour at 9.15, which ends at 10.15. And then we're going to mobilize everybody to drive over to the Hastings College campus because our 10.30 worship service, weather permitting, will be outdoors at Steinhardt Plaza, which is there uh, where 9th Street used to go through on that curve with the beautiful brick arches and all the international flags. So that will be our 1030 worship service. Uh, It happens to be World Communion Sunday. And so we love the symbolism of uh, doing World Communion worship in the shadow of all those international flags and reminding of ourselves, of our connection to our sisters and brothers around the world which could tie in now that I think about that to the sermon of connecting to our spiritual ancestors and also connecting to our, that could tie into world communion in a beautiful way. If I was clever enough to do that. So uh, we hope you'll join us uh, over there uh, at Steinhardt Plaza for the 1030 service. If you're not able to join us at 830 in the chapel, um, the following week, which is October 9th, uh 
rather than doing our 830 service in the chapel, we're going to do our 830 service over in Alexander Park. And this is our annual blessing of the pet service. So we invite you to bring your pet or a photo of your pet if your pet will not do well in a park with lots of other dogs and cats. And we'll do a very short service. It will be delightful. We will actually have our children's choirs joining us who will sing a song. Pastor Damon will lead a song on the guitar. And then I will walk around and say a prayer of blessing over the pets and the photos. And it will be it's our sixth annual blessing of the pet service. And um, I'm still pulling for some uh, unique animals there. I've blessed chickens and fish lizards and crawdads as well as scores of dogs and cats so they're all unique and special in their own way indeed and their people will gladly tell you just exactly how unique and special they are just like damon and baloney he hasn't made it to a blessing in the pet service She's fine. You could bring a photo of Baloney. You should bring a photo of Baloney and tape it onto your guitar. I'll see what I can do. Should I get Uh, hand on that? uh, She's busy. (laughs) She's got a lot of stuff to do. (laughs) Uh, So that's okay. So also on speaking of Sunday mornings, uh, 9.15 Sunday school hour. Uh, Sunday School for All Ages, including a forum series, uh, generally for adults, but you really wouldn't have to be an adult to to show up in that room. So Doodle just finished up a forum series uh, using Ted Lasso as a basis to explore some theological themes and constructs using the characters and plots found therein. And and those, uh, some of those are are recorded and they're up on YouTube if folks would like to check those out. This coming Sunday, October 2nd, uh, Dan Deffenbaugh, Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, our scholar in residence, is going to start a forum series taking a look at universal salvation, the doctrine of universal salvation, and spending some time uh, piecing through where, where, what was the development? out of this? Where does it come from? What uh, scripture passages, theologians, other sorts of things are involved in this? So, And that's actually going to be a, a four-week series for that. So, But again, folks could pop in and out at any time. It's, it's not, that's not a problem, really. So, so yeah, that's going to start this coming Sunday, October 2nd. Yeah. Uh, with one week off, I think in the middle of October for uh, Christian Ed, we'll we'll tell you about that when it gets closer. Yeah, but we'll um, miss the sixteenth. Yeah. Fall break. Uh, Wednesday nights, we've got all of our programs for uh, preschool through fifth graders that run from five to six forty-five, and then we have our lineup of uh, adult chancel choir and bell choir practices from six forty-five to eight fifteen. I don't know. Don't know. I don't play bells. Um, <laughs> I sometimes I? it's probably eight o'clock. I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, and then our youth program for middle school and high school youth. Of course, they have Sunday school and Sunday morning, but then also 
uh, we've moved youth fellowship to Sunday nights and they're meeting from five to seven starts with uh, bell choir practice and vocal choir practice. And then they move into time of fellowship and a meal, if I'm not mistaken. That's been my experience. And how's that going? It's going well. Good. Had uh, three meals. So that's good. Not sure I was asking about the meals, but I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) That's going well. So good. Anything else? And I think we've covered all the bases. All right. You better lead us in a closing prayer then. All right. Let's, uh, let's join our hearts in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for questions and answers. Thank you for the opportunity to explore your holy word and reflect on the best way to share it with people who are listening. Bless and guide uh, our sermon preparation this week. Bless and guide the programs of this church that all of it points us to you, God, to your gift of love to us. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.